Hi there, listener. It's Matthew. You've come looking for an episode of the Children's Book Podcast, and you've found it. Hooray! But you're probably wondering why the name of the podcast has changed. After eight years of doing the Children's Book Podcast, I began a new career as head of podcasts at A Kid's Company About, where I now oversee a podcast network dedicated to producing original content that talks up to kids, centers the things going on in their world, and engages and challenges how they see the world and themselves. All of the episodes of the Children's Book Podcast are still here, but now, if you're subscribed, you'll get new episodes of Worth Noting, a kid's podcast about current events, hosted by me. Something for you and the young people in your life to enjoy together. Enjoy this episode, and I hope you'll check out Worth Noting and other podcasts from a kid's company about... We're all safe at home, but we can still travel through stories. Visit MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop in order to support independent bookstores while supporting your favorite bookmakers and kidlit podcasters. Same books, same great prices, but this time your dollars make a difference for someone or some indie trying to make a difference. Go to MatthewCWinner.com and click on Shop to choose your next great read. Marcy Colleen. It's like being on Boxer, but not. It's weird. <laughs> it's just like that, only we're answering each other in real time. Which we do a lot on Boxer, too. That's but not wrong. <laughs> we just keep, when we do it, I was just going to say we can't interrupt each other, but we do that on Boxer, too. It started with a stuffed bear and resulted in the Brooklyn Bears Community Garden. This is the Children's Book Podcast, episode number 581. I'm your host, Matthew Winner. Today I'm joined by Marcy Colleen, author of The Bears Garden, illustrated by Allison Oliver. The story, inspired by a community garden in Brooklyn, centers on a girl caring for a seedling until she can't any longer. It's a story about those hidden spaces that become worlds for the person or people who find them. And it's also a story about the worlds that can be created when we give trust over to others. The Bear's Garden is a bit of a fantastical prequel to a garden you can imagine passing in Brooklyn today. Look in past the gates. See what's growing. The bright pinks and blues and yellows among the leaves of green. Know that everything here started from just a seed and some care and cheering on of a community. Please welcome my guest, Marcy Colleen, author of The Bear's Garden. I'm Marcy Colleen. I'm a children's author. I have written both chapter books and picture books. My most popular picture book um, was probably Penguinot, published by Scholastic and illustrated by Emma Yarlett. Um, I'm also the author of the Super Happy Party Bears chapter book series. And uh, yeah, and I have a new book out. (laughs) Welcome (laughs) and congratulations, my friend. (laughs) <laughs> I guess that's it. Yeah, I have a new book out. Since you were last on the show, you've you've got a lot out. You came on 
the podcast a couple years ago for Super Happy Party Bears. And I think that it was right before the release of Penguinot. Did Pe- Penguinot came out before Love Triangle, correct? No, no. Um, okay. So Party Bears started publishing in fall of 2016. And I believe that's when I was on the podcast. And then Love Triangle came out fall of 2017. And then Penguinot came out fall of 2018. And then my students took cut out puppets of Penguinot all around our school and took pictures of Orville everywhere. It's so much fun. I mean, it's awesome. It's, he's an adventuring little penguin. You can take him anywhere and have fantastic adventures. So fun. But so you have this new picture book out called The Bear's Garden, and Allison Oliver illustrated it. Friend of the show, Allison Oliver, from all of her amazing baby lit books. Mm, I love those baby lit books. I fell in love with those when I was a nanny. And one of the kids that I used to nanny had, I think, the Jane Eyre or Pride and Prejudice or something uh, board book. And I just loved it. And I loved Allison's just her style. And um, she's actually repped by my agent. So we have the same agent. And my agent was the one who paired us together to go out on submission as a package with the Bear's Garden. So Allison has been a part of the project for since, you know, many, many years ago. I would love to know more about what that means or looks like to be paired with an illustrator to go out on submission. But why don't we talk about the book itself first? Could you give okay. just a little book talk about The Bear's Garden? Sure. Um, the Bear's Garden, I started writing it back in 2014, I believe, or 2013. Um I used to live in Brooklyn, New York. I now live in San Diego, California. But when I lived in Brooklyn, at one point, there was a neighborhood writing contest in my neighborhood where um, authors were asked to write about some landmark or element of the neighborhood uh, as kind of like a love letter to the neighborhood. And I right away knew what I wanted to write about because down the street just four or five short blocks from my apartment was a community garden called the Brooklyn Bears Community Garden. And I always found it to be interesting that it was called the Brooklyn Bears Community Garden because we don't have bears roaming around the streets of Brooklyn. And I was curious as to why. And in looking up the history of that garden, when workers first started working in the abandoned lot to transform it into a community garden, they found a stuffed panda teddy bear in the weeds. And that teddy bear basically became the inspiration and mascot of the Brooklyn Bears community garden. Um, And I wanted to write a story about the Brooklyn Bears community garden, which would be kind of a fantastical prequel to how the bear possibly got into the weeds. So it's a very loose based on a true story interpretation of my own where um, I just used that bear in the weeds as a jumping off point and wrote a story about a little girl who lives across from this abandoned lot, um, notices everything beautiful in that abandoned lot, you know, weeds coming up through the cracks and, you know, oil slick in a puddle. And uh, she begins to transform that lot into a garden by herself. Um, But when she cannot do that by herself anymore, she asks her stuffed bear to take over and, um, and the garden flourishes. So that's the bear's garden. 
I love your book, Marcy. We've talked about that a little bit before because because we're friends outside of the podcast because we talk on voice messaging. Like constantly. Constantly, constantly. But um, there's so much to unpack in this book. I've had the great privilege of critiquing some of your stuff before too, as you have mine. And so I've gotten to see what early drafts of books look like with you. And mm-hmm. I have talked to you a lot in between that and known how much you care about language and the poetry mm-hmm. of language in particular, um, which is the setup I'm using to how poetic this picture book in particular is. I feel like you you work from this this seed, if you will, not to not to make a <laughs> pun, but you work from this beautiful seed of of um, of a child caring for a small idea of a of a garden of a friendship of a of a seed itself but using this language i believe in you it says mm-hmm. if i read i'm gonna probably read a lot of the book to you if you don't mind but before i when you read to me i, I love that well it, it we, we to start sort of midway through the book um she's caring for this seedling and it says let me find a page leading in. It says, um, a baby garden. When she spotted the seedling, she introduced herself with a how do you do and a garden party. And that's how it went day after day. No matter how fierce the sun or how swift the wind, the little girl watched over the seedling. I believe in you, she whispered every morning and every night. And Allison has so beautifully drawn our main character with her eyes closed over mm-hmm. this seedling with hearts coming up around her and the bear watching her. But it's it's the sweet, sincere commitment of a child to raising a thing or caring for a thing. I have a five-year-old that cares for things, living or not, and she does the same the same actions that she cares for them with all of herself. She believes in them with all of herself. And I love that, that your story in so many different ways hinges on that sentiment. I believe in you. They're just, they're such simple words, but they're so powerful. And I have to say that I was greatly influenced since I remember when I was re- when I was writing that part of the story. Um, and I know you and I have talked about this before, but I was greatly influenced by Cal Atkinson's To the Sea. And that picture book in which that little boy finds this whale who needs to get back to the ocean and he makes eye contact as best a way a tiny little kid can with a giant whale and looks the whale in the eye and he says, I see you. And that that very moment in that picture book pierced me to my very soul. I was like, oh, so, so powerful. And so when I was writing The Bear's Garden, um, which was several years of constant revisions and reworking, um, I was... I was inspired by that moment in that book. And um, 
the, the power of just some simple words to say, I see you or I believe you and what that means to something and how that can help whatever you're saying that to flourish and, and grow. That book, To the Sea, is a forever book. It's a beautiful book. Uh, and it makes yeah. me wonder, as you're sort of giving giving light to, it makes me wonder what it means to come upon a phrase when you're writing a book that maybe it's a phrase that the the book ends up centering on or growing from or just one that that you might think makes a nice refrain but ends up in the whole of the book when it's completed mm. meaning so much more did i believe in you did it hold that that sort of weight for you as you were writing this mm, yeah totally totally um what i think once i had that Part And I realized that this was a little girl who, as you said, your little girl does, puts her her belief and her faith in absolutely anything and everything and just throws her whole being into it. Once I had that part of the character, it just the rest of it just kind of flowed so much easier. Even the relationship between her and her stuffed bear just really... Um, came to life just through that whole, I believe in you. Because when she needs to um, bring the bear in to help her tend the garden because she can't do it alone, um, she she basically mimics that exact same sentiment to the bear. And uh, yeah, I, it's just the, the power of, of being believed in, I think that is, uh, you know, and I, and I don't, and I, I think that this book is so very different from everything else I've, I've published so far. Um, obviously love triangle is just, um, a lot of punny wordplay and, and humor and, you know, friendship story and penguinot is an adventure story of a plucky penguin, but pretty much, especially in penguinot, there's still that, that, um, there's still that element of belief and, when Orville is on the moon and he finds the the note in his pocket that his friends have written to him saying, you're our penguinot, we know you can do this. That's the same moment as that little girl looking at that seedling and being like, I believe in you. Because sometimes we just need that extra voice to just tell us, you got this. And I think that um, that shows up a lot in my writing. You write from the girl believing in the seed to this moment, there came a time when the girl had to leave for a while without her care and without her love. She knew the plants would wither. She wanted to bring the garden with her, but it wasn't possible. She thought maybe she could whisper, I believe in you from far away, but she didn't have enough string. She tried employing a pigeon, but it was clearly not trained. If the little girl could not take care of the garden, someone else would have to. And I think that here we're seeing you as an author riff on not just believing in ourselves or believing in things, but being able to transfer trust and belief in mm -hmm. others to be able to allow someone to be a caretaker for us. What does, if belief is something that comes up a lot in your writing what do you think, Marcy, that is being expressed from your from your life or from your childhood or just from 
the way you see children? I don't know. Where is that coming from? Um, I think, I think you're hitting on it when you said the thing about, um, giving trust over to others. Um, I, I'm a person who thrives on community and doing something together. And, um, even projects that we have to do solo, that we have to go alone, I very much rely on other cheerleaders in my life as touchstones that am I doing the right thing? Can I really do this? And so there are very, very, very few things that I have ever done in my life that I have not had somebody who's been there being the voice of you can do this. Um, from running races and having people on the sidelines cheering you to, um, you know, just uh, having an agent look over your stuff and tell you that it's ready to go out into the world. Um, we, I've never been a person who can create in a vacuum. Um, as Brene Brown says, um, all creativity requires midwives. And I've had so many midwives that sometimes it feels almost um, criminal that my name is the only one that appears on the cover of a book as the author because I have been surrounded by so many creative midwives. And uh, coming from the theater world as well, nothing's created in a vacuum. In a theater, you very much have to, even if you wrote the play or you directed the play or you're starring in the play or you're doing costumes, you have to have trust in all the other people to bring their best selves to the project as well so that it can flourish as a whole. Um, and I, and that's one of the things that just really jazzes me the most is that community, that people coming together for a common cause. Um, so I believe that's probably where that's coming from, that importance of community and that importance of encouraging each other, um, cheering each other on, um, you know, uh, yeah, I, 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 I'm a city girl. I'm, I'm used to just being surrounded by lots of people and seeing lots of really cool things happening around me. And, and when I see people actually bringing their dreams together, it's just, yeah, it's something that makes me weepy. The Children's Book Podcast is sponsored by Libro FM Audiobooks. Libro FM lets you purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite local bookstore. You can pick from more than 125,000 audiobooks, including New York Times bestsellers and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libro FM, you'll get the same audiobooks at the same price as the largest audiobook company out there but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. Listeners of the Children's Book Podcast can get a three-month audiobook membership for the price of just one month. Go to Libro.fm, that's L-I-B-R-O dot F-M, and enter WINNER. With each listen, take pride in knowing that you're supporting local bookstores. because it's, <laughs> it does, I get very weepy. I, I've been, I've been saying, you know, you and I are, you know, recording this in the midst of, um, you know, COVID-19 quarantining. And whenever I hear stories of 
people doing good for other people and coming together, even if it is people hanging out their windows at a certain time in the city to applaud the workers who are on the front lines. Like it, that stuff gets me. I am, I am a, I am a weepy mess for anything that is like positive community. And, and, I, and I have more books in the pipeline that are about just that, like that positive community. Um, it's the, it's a wonderful life factor. And that happens to be my favorite movie in the world. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm a sucker. I, I, whenever, whenever anything like that happens, I'm just like, uh oh, I'm here comes the waterworks. <laughs> I love that. So, so was it your idea then, or the agent's idea to bring an illustrator in on this manuscript before it went out for editors to look at? Because that also strikes me as a very communal thing to be doing. That's true. That's true. It was my agent, um, Allison, and myself all as like a team already going out. On submission, um, Allison. This this was quite a while ago, and Allison was newly signed with my agent, and um, she they were working towards. From what I remember, they were working towards. Um, she had had the wildly successful um, baby lit books, but she was looking to get more into picture books, and um, so I believe that's one of the reasons why we were paired together. Also, there was there were conversations between my agent and I about the fact that there are a lot of garden books out there. Like there are a lot of garden books in this world. And in fact, this spring, it seems like there's a bazillion more coming out. Maybe that's because of the 50th anniversary of Earth Day um, next month. I don't know exactly why, but there seems to be a lot. And so my agent wanted something that was going to make this book really stand out. Um, sure. It had the real life connection, um, but it was a community garden in New York city. And one of the things that we did not want to have happen was for um, editors to pass on this because something like the curious garden by Peter Brown already exists. Mm-hmm. And so we needed to do something that was going to make it stand out. And um, so she thought to put Allison on the project, Allison's um, boyfriend at, happens to be very, very active um, as a local farmer in the green market um, circuit of Brooklyn. And uh, she apparently read the manuscript for the first time, burst into tears and was like, I have to work on this book. So um, she started working on it right away. And Allison right away, the little girl, exactly how she looks in the book um, and the little bear, not a, not a smidgen has changed since Allison's first vision. And I just adore this little girl i want to squeeze her she's adorable that's so wonderful and she's got such a great eye for bringing us into the story too the end papers into the title page have this wonderful like google satellite view (laughs) of the city um with a little pinpoint on where the bear is um Mm -hmm. zooms further in and further in until we're just looking at a a street view with the camera above the street until we're down with the child. And then it sort of reverse it, uh, reverse engineers that at the very end of the book um, where the end papers change to have all these wonderful gardens popping up. But I thought there's a, there's a great sense of bringing us into this story, into a location. Mm. But while we're seated in the book, it could be anywhere. It could be any neighborhood. It could be your neighborhood. It could be um, any city. And that's, that's neat the way that the story brings us in and out in that way to allow it to belong to so many. 
Yeah, um, actually, the the end paper idea and the the map, um, the Google Map kind of look was um, the brainchild of Natalie Sousa, who is the art director at Imprint at Macmillan Books, and um, she is brilliant and. Um, she wanted this bird's eye view of just kind of like exactly like you said, zooming in until we're on the ground level um, of this neighborhood. And uh, Allison just rose to the occasion. And I, I, I love that in the first spread of the actual story where you have, have this almost rooftop view where you can see people on the street, but you've zoomed in enough that you have a rooftop view, um, every single person in the illustration there is then featured somewhere later on in the book. It's all neighborhood people. You see the woman and her dog later on. You see this, um, this parent with a child who is dressed in yellow. That's in a, um, in a baby stroller. And at the end, when the garden has transformed, that baby is now walking. Um, it's just beautiful because it, it once again, like reaffirms that whole idea of the neighborhood community, the people who are around you that you probably see on the street every single day and don't really know. Um, but they're usually the same faces. I mean, I've lived in Brooklyn. I know I would see the same faces all the time. They were strangers, but they were familiar faces. And I love how that has been brought out in the artwork as well. And Allison lives in Brooklyn too. She, she gets it. Um, but it's just, it's, it's really cool to be able to look at those tops of heads and be like, I know exactly who that is. Look at this person shows up later on in the book. That is so cool to see people coming in and out. That's not something that I noticed, but you're, as you're recording, yeah. I had to mute myself because I'm like flipping all the pages. <laughs> and I know how great flipping book pages is, is for a podcast, but yeah. that's, that's so fun. I love that. The baby, the baby growing up is pretty cool. Like the fact that the baby now in the garden starting to walk is just really cool. Cause it shows very subtly and probably without many people even noticing the passage of time. Um, that has gone on here. So, yeah. Well, and how beautiful, too, that you, in your text, walk us away from the garden while the reader still sits in the garden and watches people mm. come in to help it grow and, to, and we watch the plants grow and the children grow, as you say. But how neat that your text follows away, that it says from miles away, the girl imagined the garden was blooming. She imagined it could be a place to grow, a place to play, it continues. And all of those things are just happening. Like you said, with the the origin of uh, the Brooklyn Bears Community Garden, that these these workers found a thing, a remnant of what was, but no less something that was important to someone. And imagining that that space where that child was imagining their bear was growing and people were caring for a space that must have been special to that child for them to bring their lovey, their bear into that area. It must have been of some sort of significance to to that namesake of that community garden. Mm. Yeah, yeah, that um, I struggled with the end of the book because it felt like it needed to be highly visual to me. And I felt like anything that I wrote was getting in the way of that. 
And, you know, there comes a point sometimes when you're writing a picture book where you have to literally pass the ball to the illustrator and back away. And um, I, one of my, my uh, mentor texts that I used for the end of this book was um, Me Jane by Patrick McDonald, which happens to be one of the most beautiful books, I think, that has been published in the last 10 years. And um, in, at the end of that, he has the two or three page turns that show Jane growing up, Jane Goodall growing up and having her dream realized. And he's totally pulled back on the words to allow those page turns to have the emotional impact that he wanted them to have. And I can't read that book without without crying at the end. I always think I'm going to be okay. <laughs> I always think I'm going to be okay. I'm going to get through this. And then I get to the last couple pages and it's waterworks. So um, I I took a lesson from his his book and said, okay, I'm going to try to completely step away here and use this refrain that is that has already been established towards the beginning of the book. I'm going to bring that refrain back and I'm just going to put some illustration notes about how the garden is blooming and leave it at that. And uh, the, the, um, the, the impact I think has, it's exactly what I wanted it to do at the end. Um, that's, that's, yeah. that's beautiful. It, it, it's, it's everything at the end of this book. It's such a beautiful story. Kudos to you and to Allison and to all the folks at Macmillan that helped make it happen. It's, it's really, it's really an exceptional work, Marcy. Oh, thank you. It's, it, it, you know, it, it feels exceptional. Um, not only has the team at Macmillan just pulled out all the stops with, you know, just the production, the design of this book is gorgeous, but, um, it feels to me like a love letter to my old neighborhood. Um, it feels very much like me being able to show a different side of myself as a writer that I'm, I'm not all punny and super happy party bear like that I can write something that has a little bit more weight to it. And, um, yeah, I'm, it, it's taken me a while because books take so long, right? Books, you get an idea for a book and then, you know, it's not realized until, you know, years and years and years later. And, uh, you know, it, it took me a while to reconnect with this book and realize exactly what I had written because it had been such a long time ago. Um, but I've gotten to the point where I can say, yeah, I'm pretty darn proud of this book. Well, let me bring you to your readers because, well, let's be frank. I have not recorded a podcast since we went on social distancing since schools were closed, since we've been in our homes. Um, you are the first recording that I've done. And so I'm having a moment as I'm about to ask this question because I'm, I, I get to see my kids virtually, but I haven't gotten to, to, to be in the library with them. And I won't for some time, but I know that this message can be waiting for them when they return and it can reach them in their ears where they are now. So with all that in mind, Marcy, I'm going to ask you that I'll see a library full of children tomorrow morning. Is there a message that I can bring to them from you? I, I think it's that um, beauty and love and play can be found anywhere. And here we are, so many of us finding ourselves in situations where we're stuck in our homes 
perhaps the park or the beach that we're used to going to is closed down. We might only have our own backyard to play in or the sidewalk in front of our apartment. There, there are things that feel very con- confining and restricting about these circumstances. And the message of the Bears Garden is that if you just look, if you just take a moment to look, even your bedroom that may feel like you know everything in it, just look. You can find some new beauty. You can find some new inspiration, some nothing, something new to love, something new to play with. And um, if we can look at every, every place that we ever encounter with eyes like that, um, there's no telling what our imaginations and our, our hearts will do. The Children's Book Podcast is recorded and produced by me, Matthew Winner, in my library studio in Ellicott City, Maryland. You can subscribe to the podcast and access the archive of over 550 episodes at matthewcwinner.com slash podcast. Our theme music is by Poddington Bear, care of the Free Music Archive. All views and opinions expressed on the show are those of the individuals and do not reflect the ideas or viewpoints of the publishers of the books referenced. Want to help out the show? Writing a review on iTunes or sharing the podcast with friends through Facebook, Twitter, word of mouth, or any other means helps reach more listeners, which leads to more content and more amazing guests. And that's a very good thing indeed. We know you value what you put in front of your kids, especially when it comes to screens and podcasts. That's why we're excited to share a new podcast from our friends at Sleepiest, creating bedtime stories to help your kids fall asleep fast. Hello, Abby here. If you've got children and find bedtimes a struggle, I'd like to tell you about Coco Sleep, a children's story podcast designed to make bedtime a dream. Coco Sleep turns a chaotic bedtime into cozy bonding time. The stories are delivered in a pace that gently slows. Rumour has it that no one's ever heard an ending. So search Coco Sleep on your favourite podcast app and let's make bedtime a dream. That's K-O-K-O Sleep and I'll see you there.